everyone. How is everybody doing today? It's great to see you all this morning. Fall has fallen upon us. Feel the chill in the air. We were like cruising through October and we thought, this is like Arizona, but it's not, babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> the cold fell upon us. Hey, I just want to reiterate one thing Calvin there mentioned about City Kids Reopen last Sunday at 9 a.m. We had City Kids reopen, and it was a time. It was happening in there. It was hopping. I went in after service, and one of the things that I was reminded of is how important kids are to the city church. Listen, if you are still watching at home, if you've got kids here in the room, City Kids is open for the 9 a.m. service. Such an important legacy for us as a church. How many of you believe, I'm setting you up because it's true, how many believe that the kids are more important than us. They really are, friends. Because if it's just about us, this church will die with us. But we need the kids. We need the kids. We need to minister to the kids, teach the kids about Jesus, invite them into community. They need Christian friends together. Thank God for technology, what we can do right now. But if, if parents, all that you ever do that's Christian with your kids is watch a video, they already watch videos with you. Here is something special. When we, we come together and we're going to worship and there's other families who worship together and there's other families who come together and give and to serve and do all of these things and we're here to serve the city. We can't do that at home only. Thank God for what we've been able to do the last little while, but City Kids is open and we need to minister to our kids. Bless our kids. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen at home? Because it's true. All right. <laughs> all right. We are talking about Jesus encounters, and we are going through the scriptures, going through the gospels, and just looking at these events where individuals and families and groups and the disciples all had an encounter with Jesus. And we have these four amazing Greco-Roman biographies about Jesus and his ministry, and we have all of this detail and sometimes what somebody was going through and their name and where they were from and how many years they had been suffering with what they were suffering. And just so many circumstances that Jesus was ministering to that can teach us just so much. And when we look at Christ, Christ is the central figure of the totality of the scripture, Old and New Testament. The figure of Jesus is the main figure of scripture, not me, not you. Not Moses, not Abraham, not David, all of those Old Testament characters and leaders and kings, uh, they were all pointing us to Jesus, that we would see Jesus show up in the scene. Christ, the Messiah, Christ is not Jesus' last name, he was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one given to us by God to represent to us man and God. And so these Jesus encounters that we can look at in Scripture can teach us so much. So, again, the scripture is very Jesus-centric. And as we go through these stories, we want to see ourselves in a relationship with Jesus. So when Jesus was teaching things, or showing things, or, or talking about different things, we want to understand what Jesus is telling us. What is the context of the story? What is the, the circumstances of the time? Because Jesus has a lot to say, and he does a lot of things. And so we then... <clears throat> by the Spirit of God, can have the same encounter that they had with Jesus when they saw him face to face. Because the Spirit of God is with us as we engage with the Scripture. 
I, I always mention this to you. When you go into your Bible reading time, just don't do it out of religious duty. Speak to God, pray, say, God, I want you to reveal to me by your spirit what you are saying to me. What, what these verses of scripture, what is the context? What is the purpose of these verses? And then understand what the spirit of God is ministering to us as we engage with the scripture. So we read these verses last week that will help us to uh, centralize our relationship on Jesus. Hebrews chapter one, verse one says this long ago at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who be appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is. And the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. John 14, verse 8, Philip, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, show us the Father. In other words, show us who God is. And it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? That's a pretty big claim. Jesus said, if you've seen me in action, if you heard my words, other, this is what he's inferring. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what Jesus did as he walked the earth, how he ministered, how he spoke, what was important to him, all of those things give us the exact imprint, Hebrews told us there, the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God. So as we look at Jesus, we can understand who God is. So that's what we're doing in this series, that we can have a Jesus encounter. When we have a Jesus encounter, we're having a God encounter. We're understanding who God is and what he's saying to us. So last week we talked about this encounter that the disciples had when they first followed Jesus and he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers. And in other words, this Jesus invites us into this lordship relationship with himself. And then the salvation part, we talked about that last week. And then make you fishers of men. In other words, God, Jesus wants to make you a person of influence that would have influence in the sphere of life that you find yourself, the many spheres of life that you find yourself in, all the relationships that you have. In those relationships, Jesus, as you encounter him, wants you to be a person of influence, not just being influenced by the culture, not just being influenced by the world around you, but by being influenced by Jesus and then living that out in your relationships. We gave this illustration that Jesus is the sun and we are the moon. We don't create any light by ourselves, but we reflect his goodness. We reflect the kingdom of God in the world that we live in. All right, so today we're going to be talking about walking in the light. Jesus, the light of the world. We see over and over again in the New Testament, there's their kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. And Jesus overcame uh, the darkness of death, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But these kingdoms exist and this idea of light and darkness. Now, when we think about the idea of light, how important light is to us. Uh, that we uh, have lights in our house, various types of lights. And we, if we want to upgrade our house, we need to upgrade the lighting. 
and we have lights on our cars. And then a few years ago, somebody said, you know what? We just don't need lights on our cars at night. We need daytime running lights because that's how important light is. And we will go and we will drive for hours sometime to watch a fireworks show. And what is that? It's lights in the sky. Light is just an important thing. We crave the light. If we get stuck in a dark place, what do we need? We need the light to show us something. Now, uh, you know, we have two dogs. Our, our daughters, our human daughters, are down in the States, and our fur daughters are still with us. I'm thinking about sending them away to school, too. We've got to figure out something to do there. So what happens a lot of time in our home is I'll go down early for breakfast and, you know, I try to, uh, we have the dogs close by to us there and I try to sneak out of the bed to not wake up the dogs because I don't want to take care of them necessarily. Um, and then, so I go downstairs and Nicole texts me, you know, one of the dogs needs my attention. So I walk up, so I'm downstairs in the light and I walk up into the darkness of our bedroom and I can't see anything. And uh, you know, our dog's fur is black, so I can't see her in the dark for sure. I know she's moving around. I'm trying to grab her. And what do I need in that moment? I need light to be able to see, and light is very important. You know, I, I always give this illustration. We, we realize how important light is. If we were to play some sort of game here, and this will make it into Squid Games Season 2, but if we, we put you over here in the corner and we said, you have to make it to this four set of doors on the other side of the room, but you had no idea how many obstacles were in the way until you got to those other doors. If you don't make it to the doors, we'll kill you. That's the, that's the theme of Squid Games, if you haven't seen it. We're not going to do that at church. I'm just saying, <laughs> if we're going to play this game, but it was pitch dark in here, what would the advantage be for you for you to make it to these doors if you had some sort of source of light? And this is what the idea of light is, the kingdom of light, Jesus as the light of the world. As we are going through life, we don't want to wander in the darkness of what life is intended to be. We don't want to wander in the darkness of not having a relationship with God. These are all dark places. Scripture tells us, and we're going to see this here, that Jesus, the light of the world. So when we have these encounters with Jesus, when we learn from his teaching, when we see what he did and what he said about life, we can actually go through life and not hit all of the obstacles. We can actually make it to the intended purpose of our lives, not running into things, not being taken over by sin, not running into stuff and, and causing a problem always in our relationships and all of our lives. Because that's the way life is. Life is a lot of obstacles in the way. But what do we need to overcome those obstacles is we actually need light. And this relationship that we have with God is not just a philosophy, although there is Christian philosophy. That Jesus himself, that God, is a God of light. And as we center our lives on him, that we can actually have light for our lives. So we're going to look at a story here. Um, that teaches us all about light. Now, we get a, a, a chance to have light. Now, how it's referred to in Scripture, when we, when we hear something or, or we see something, these are methods or metaphors of understanding. In other words, that we can hear it or we can see it. And it talks about dull of understanding, that we can't actually see what God is doing. 
So these physical metaphors that we have are actually have spiritual applications. So we hear with our physical ears, but we also want to hear what God is saying. And then we can see light or we can see life, but then we actually want to see with our spiritual understanding what God is saying. What is light? What is the light that God is providing for my life? What is the understanding that God is providing? Am I going to walk into it? Walk in the light. Or what is another opportunity that we have when we're provided light or we're provided understanding or somebody says to us, hey, what about this? Did anyone ever tell you not to do something and you did it anyway? And they could have said, I told you so, but they didn't. Or maybe they did say, I told you so. What, what was the deal at, at the moment when they provided light for you and then you didn't do it? You either couldn't hear it or you couldn't see it. Again, I'm not talking about your physical senses. What happens in those moments? We can either be dull of hearing. The scripture talks about being dull of hearing. Or we can just be rebellious. Any rebels in the house? Come on now. Be proud. Any rebels in the house? We just know better. We hear stuff and we're like, ah, I don't know, think about it. Maybe. But we should never do that with the word of God. We, never, we should never do that with the light God provides. We should just be rebellious automatically when light is spoken to us. So this is the chance that all of us have. And this is the stories that we see in the New Testament. See, we, we, we were to think, you know, if, if I could have been there, if I could have seen the things that Jesus did, I would believe for sure. But people, you know, people walked with Jesus, saw the miracles that he did, and still didn't believe. What is that? It's just rebellion. So we could be dull of hearing or we could just be outright rebellious. But we should actually take in, hear it, receive it, live it out. And this is where the light is so important for us as we walk out in the light of the scripture. So here in John chapter 9, is a tremendous story. And this whole story is about seeing physically and seeing spiritually. Two themes here in this story as we read it. One of my favorite Bible stories, one of my, uh, you know, just healings that Jesus did. There's some Bible comedy, believe it or not, here in the story. And so we're going to read it. John chapter 9, verse 1. And he passed by and he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now there was... I'm thinking in this time, and this not too dissimilar to nowadays, actually. They're, they're looking at this person who basically had a birth defect, situation from birth. And so their belief was either the parents did something wrong, either a pre-pregnancy or in the middle of pregnancy, or they actually believe that the child in the womb could sin. And because the child in the womb sinned, their math equation was, this is why they were born with this birth defect. And so this is the question. This was the, the, the philosophy of the time. And again, it's not too different than today. People are always looking 
for, you know, it, this thing, this thing bad happened to me. And so what, what was, what was the thing that happened in my past for this thing to happen? But let's let Jesus shed some light on this for us to give us some understanding. Rabbi, teacher, this is what it means. Who sinned? This man or his parents? Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned or his parents. Now pause before we continue reading. So what's the answer to the question? It wasn't the parents sinning, and it wasn't the child sinning. Now Jesus doesn't necessarily answer the, the question of the why. Why did this thing happen? And, and as I've said to you many times, trying to figure out the why of things, you will never know this side of heaven, the why of all things. But you can get lost in why and waste your life. Here's one simple why without me getting into just a, a bunch of scriptures. We live in a broken world. That's why bad things happen. Sin has infected this world negatively. That's the whole story of the scripture. This is why bad things happen. Why? Because people sin. And it's not this, and, and there's this, this is thing that's happening in the world. But again, here in the story, what is Jesus saying? It wasn't necessarily an, ex, an explicit sin that the parents had committed or the child. So we're not pointing to any, some, like, oh my gosh, what did they do wrong? Uh, it's life in this world. But let's continue to read here. Jesus answered, it was not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, I, I read that together on purpose because uh, where verse 4 is, sometimes we pause and we think that's the end of the thought. But Jesus is continuing through with the thought. It was not this man who sent or his parents. That's the answer, the answer to the question. Now listen. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. Jesus is saying here in this moment that the work of God has not happened yet. Now we know, if we know anything about the Bible, here's a blind guy. What's going to happen? He's going to see. He's going to run into Jesus. It's a good thing to think about. When you have a Jesus encounter, you come out better on the other side. Right? So what Jesus is telling us is that the activity of God in this man's blindness has not happened. Such an important thing to think about. God is not the author of sickness and disease. God is not making you sick to heal you. Neither this man's sin nor his parents. But we must work the work. Jesus is saying the work that's coming up, the healing that's coming up, that's actually the work of God. Sickness is not the work of God. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All of the people that Jesus healed in his ministry were oppressed of the devil, not oppressed of God. Jesus is not the author of our problems. And this is the first light that we can see in this story. That healing is the work of God, not sickness and disease. Amen. Such an important thing to think about. We're going to talk about healing more in this series as we go along. Verse 5. 
As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That we would come to him. Again, thank God for philosophical Christian thinking. But we're just not coming to philosophy. We come to Jesus, who is our Savior. Jesus is the light of the world. So being in a relationship with Jesus provides us light for life. Now let's keep reading. Again, this whole story is about seeing physically and seeing spiritually. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Do you like that moment in Jesus' ministry? Mud and spit. Are you down for this? <laughs> Jesus only did this one time. So this wasn't this wasn't the precedent for all healing ministry. He prayed for people. He spoke. Did all these different things. But this is the one time he did this. And he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Some people have surmised why maybe Jesus used the mud. God created Adam out of the dirt, and so this was a creative miracle, so in a sense, and this always is the theme of the book of John, that John is showing that Jesus is God. Do you see that? It'd be a good thing to think about. So he came back seeing the neighbors, and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others says, no, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, how were your eyes open? So they're all confused. They're like, we know this looks like him, but he's been blind since he was born. And now he's seeing him like, yeah, it's him. But it's been, no one's looked like me. He's like, it's me. I'm telling you, it's me. He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes. He said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and received my sight. Do you hear the simplicity of faith that he had? What light did Jesus provide? I'm putting mud in your eyes. Go wash. What could you do in that moment to be like, Jesus, this is stupid. You just put mud on my face. I don't want to go wash in that pool. I want to do what I want. Just give me some water. Do you hear yourself? Maybe in there somewhere? Don't tell me what to do, Jesus. Gosh. Jesus did this, he said this, and so I did it. Jesus provided the light necessary for life, childlike faith. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Why? Because he was blind. Jesus told him to go wash over there, so he went over there, so he didn't know where the guy was. He came seeing, he's like, I don't know where Jesus is. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Listen, verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. That's awesome storytelling. This was to us is like, who cares, the Sabbath day. But for them, this was a big deal because what they thought of as in this moment is healing was you were doing some sort of work and you were not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. And Jesus healed people over and over again on the Sabbath day. And what he is telling us is that healing is a work of God, not a work of man. 
brought him to the Pharisees, and it was the Sabbath day. Jesus was breaking the rules, the religious rules of the time. So we know what's coming, what's coming. There's a fight coming. There's something about to ensue because this this now, it was the Sabbath day. If you were, you know, if you were of Jewish ancestry and you heard the story, you would gasp. Oh, it's Sabbath day. I believe that Jesus did this on the Sabbath day, verse 15. So the Pharisees, again, asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. He's kind of getting tired of the story already. He's shortening it. The testimony, because I already told it a few times. People were like, is it him? I don't know if it's him. It's like, I'm me. It's me. And I went, this is what happened. I told it. Now the Pharisees want him to retell the story. Mud on my eyes, I washed, I see. What else do you want me to tell you? Some of the Pharisees, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath, but others said, how can a man who was a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Now, why was there division? Some people were happy to see the light. Hey, this man is of God. Other people were like, no, he broke the rules. This can't be of God. He said again to the, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him talking about Jesus since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet, the man that got healed. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called the parents. So they need, they need the evidence to be corroborated by the parents now because they don't like him and they don't like Jesus. Jesus is breaking all the rules. Verse 19, and he asked them to the parents, is this your son? who you say was born blind. In other words, they didn't believe this was a healing, right? So they're trying to get around the fact that Jesus did the healing because they don't like Jesus. It's a whole deal here happening. How then does he now see his parents? We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. That we can confirm. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. He's like, he's old enough to talk. Just ask him. Listen, verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So what's happening here in the story? There's the Jesus, the light of the world, shining who God is by healing somebody. But then there's all these religious rules, and we're Jewish, and we don't want to be put out of the synagogue because we, Jesus is the guy, but he can't be the guy because he's not a prophet, and it's all confusing. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. And religious pressure can be very strong. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. (laughs) Like, I don't know what your problem is. I just know I was blind, but now I see. And what I would ask you at this moment, is anybody excited for this guy yet? (laughs) The guy who has never seen before. I mean, like, Hooray for you, or this is awesome. And what is it like to see for the very first time? And is that what you imagine trees to look like? But they're in this hot religious debate. 
can you see it? No, I can't see it. I refuse to see it. Do you hear it? It's physical seeing and it's spiritual seeing. We all have this choice. So they said to them, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. <laughs> it's like the seventh time they're asking him to tell the story. It's like, I told you, what does he want me to say? You didn't listen already. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this guy. <laughs> Why? Because for him, he doesn't care. He hasn't seen, and now he sees. He doesn't care about this religious argument, whether you believe in Jesus or not. He's like, I am seeing, friends. They said to him, what do you, sorry, verse 28, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. <laughs> Angry at him. Angry at the guy who was born blind, but now he sees. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Verse 34, they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us. And they cast him out. See, they believed what the disciples asked at the beginning. Right? That either his parents had sinned, or he had sinned. Look at your life and how bad it is. You were born in sin, and you're going to teach us. The man that could see, could see. The people that could see, couldn't see. They, could, they couldn't get their mind around it. They were so against Jesus, they, they, they were so full of their religious rules that they couldn't see God's work. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Cast who out? The guy who was born blind, who had been healed. They, they cast him out. Again, no celebration. No amaze at the goodness of God. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him again? When the, the blind guy, was, Jesus was ministering to him, he was blind, he couldn't see. So now he's having an interaction with Jesus when he could see physically, but then he's also, again, he's going to see spiritually. Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. Is he who's speaking to you? He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, and those who do not see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Who were the Pharisees? They were the religious experts of the time. But what was their problem? What was, what was at the core of their problem? 
they refuse to see it. In other words, lack of humility. To be able to yield to something else, to see what God is saying, to see what God is doing. See, the Pharisees were know-it-alls. And that's a terrible place to be. It's a terrible place to be as a know-it-all. They couldn't see what was going on. Pharisees heard him. Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt or no sin. In other words, you should actually see what's going on. You should be able to see the activity of God. But because you reject me and you reject this man that was healed, that was healed this is the sin of rejecting the light of God. But now, you say, we see your guilt remains. So we have to humble ourselves to the light of God. I, I heard one pastor say this. See, once we have a revelation, an understanding about who Jesus is, we should never invite Jesus into our lives to be our assistant. He's actually our Lord, the one who gives us light, not the one that we treat as our gopher. Jesus, go for this, and 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 Jesus, go for this. No, he actually provides light for my life. And then what is that light? That light is a physical light. In other words, things actually for my life. And then to help me to see about life. These religious leaders, they couldn't see what was going on. They couldn't see the activity of God. They were blinded because of their pride. Couldn't yield to the light of God. Matthew 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, one translation says evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That's not, again, this is not talking about your physical body. This is talking about the spiritual you. The eye is the lamp of the body. How you see. The guy that saw could also see. The Pharisees who were actually supposed to see couldn't see. So we want to have an understanding of God. We want to be able to see who God is, what God is saying, and will I yield myself to it, or will I just rebel? Will I be sensitive to what God is saying, or will I have dull ears? Will I just reject it because I don't understand in this moment? Pharisees just didn't understand what was going on, but they, there could have been some sort of conversation there with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can you help us to understand this? Let's talk this through. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, listen, if then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. The light in you is darkness. In other words, what I understand to be true. If the light in me, how I'm thinking about life and God... Is it with a complete rejection of God and how life should be? 
That's a dark way to live our lives. To not know who God is. To not know what life is really all about. And in our culture, <laughs> it's a good conversation for city groups. Our culture doesn't know what's good for itself. And it's progressing in a bunch of crazy ways that are detrimental to adults and to children. But we actually need the light of God to live our lives. We need to have a relationship with God to live our lives. The, the, the I in me is dark. What, what could be a dark condition of my soul? Anger. What if we look through an anger lens about every situation? See, sometimes we are experiencing temporary negativity, and in the middle of the temporary negativity, we make permanent decisions. And like Jesus is saying, is that the light that you see is dark, that's a great darkness, and it just fills up your whole life. In other words, you're making wrong choices, and to go back to our original illustration, we could just run into row after row after row in the media booth and just run into all of this stuff. Because of some condition of my heart, some negative, dark condition of my heart. This is something in our culture. I'm in a rush. Things aren't turning out exactly the way I want them, as fast as I want them to be. So you have this temporary feeling, and then you make a permanent choice. How many of you know that's darkness? A dark way to live our lives. Hurt. Hurt is temporary. Don't make permanent decisions based on a temporary feeling. Disappointment. If we look through the lens of disappointment, that every situation of life, that becomes how we look at life. We don't allow the light of God in. Confusion. You know, over this last year and a half, you know, in uh, I, I'm obviously in the church world, and I think about church and know what's happening with other pastors and stuff like that. And this has been a very difficult season for pastors and church leaders, and there's been a rash of church leaders and pastors who just left the ministry completely. And, and what the sad part about all of that is there, the, the pandemic is temporary. But in the middle of this temporary time, they made a permanent decision. And the things that they were feeling in those moments became the deciding factor for them. Confusion, hurt, disappointment. I don't know what the future looks like. And the sad part for me, for church leaders, is that the vast majority of them claimed that God was leading them. And he wasn't. I'm just going to say no. I'm going to say you were hurt and confused and disillusioned and disappointed. I don't, just to be honest with you, here's, here's some spirit-led logic for you. In a time when the church needed to be really stable, church leaders needed to be stable. Not pretend that God was leading them out of the ministry. I just don't know 
on your pretend leading of God. You were confused. You were hurt. You were disappointed. Now listen, I had mercy on all of those church leaders. Because I've been a church leader during this time, and it was hard, and it was difficult. But I wasn't going to let the things going on in the world take me down in here. Because if my eye becomes dark, my whole body, my whole life gets filled with darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. What is the nature of our salvation? That God provides the necessary light we need to get through all of the obstacles. I don't look at confusion and disappointment and pain and hurt. And from those places think, oh, I'm going to decide all of my life right now in this moment. I'm going to look to Jesus instead. He is the one that provides me light. If there's darkness coming in from the world, if there's pain and confusion coming in from the world, from the enemy, I look to Jesus, the light of the world, to light my way. This is what this whole story was about. He could see, and he could see, thank God. A few more verses and we'll finish here. The light is good. First John chapter 1, verse 5. Esteban, you can come on up wherever you are playing keys for me. Come and play because I'll stop preaching then. <laughs> this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. What if our circumstances feel dark? What should we do? Should we stare at the circumstances and let them obsess us, possess us, that this is all that we can see is the darkness, and here's the darkness, and here's the darkness? God is light. He is the one that will light my way. He was the one that will light me out of this problem. He is the one that will light my way out of the valley. God is light. James chapter 1, verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God doesn't change. He is always light. He is lighting your way out of the darkness. And I'm not saying the darkness isn't real, but you shouldn't stare at it and let it fill your life. You should look to God. God, I want you to light my way. I'm not going to let this darkness take me down. You are light. There's no shadow of turning in you. What he says to us is like Psalm 18, verse 28. For it is you... Who'd light my lamp? God himself. Jesus, the light of the world. Quit staring at your circumstances. There's no light in them. What are we going to do? For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. Psalm 119, 105. Your word... 
is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is. What you say is. Not my circumstances. Not my darkness that I'm feeling. His word. Psalm 36 verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Finally, his light saves us. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light. See, fear has taken over the world. It's taken over a bunch of Christians. But the Lord is my light. So we start looking at everything, all the darkness, all of the difficulty, all of the struggle, staring at the wrong thing. Because then our light becomes darkness. But the Lord is my light. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Why would we wait for the Lord being intertwined with him? Because he is light. He is the one that lights my way. Circumstances, not situations, not negativity. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Let's just pray today. God, we love you so much. We thank you for Jesus, who is the light of the world and the light of our lives. God, and like this man in the story today, that we can encounter. how you're leading us and how you're guiding us and how you're bringing, out of these, bringing us out of these situations and circumstances. We know that you are not causing us evil, but you are always good and you are always full of light. And you are lighting our path and you are lighting our way. God, we love you so much. We pray, Lord, everybody in the room, everybody watching online, we pray, Lord, that you fill our lives with light. As we dive into your word, as we have an encounter with Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you are in the room or you're watching us online and you have never said yes to the light of the world, Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. This prayer is just the starting point of your relationship with God. Jesus has called us to be disciples, in other words, lifelong learners, that our faith journey is a lifetime, not just a one moment, but this moment can be a starting place for you. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross. God raised him from the dead and the result of all of that that God gives us this opportunity to have a relationship with himself. It's called righteousness, right standing with himself. And he just offers it to us as a gift, and all we have to do is say yes. 
So as I pray this morning, you pray along with me. If you've never said yes to Jesus before in church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, and you raised him from the dead. So I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that did that for the very first time. Hey, if you are in the room and you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, we actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand. They're there at the info desk in the lobby. And then also, if this is your first time physically here at our church, we would love to meet you as well. Head over to the info desk. We have some stuff to give you. Thanks for coming to be with us today. Um, Just a couple announcements before we go. Um, Next Monday, October 25th, we're actually hosting um, an event for pastors and church leaders here at the church all day on Monday, and like I told you during our legacy series, we want to be able to invest in other churches and other pastors and leaders, because again, this has been a really hard time for pastors, so this event is to be able to invest in other churches and church leaders to be able to be a blessing to those cities, so if you are available to serve Monday the 25th, maybe you looking for an excuse to take a half day off work, this is a really good excuse for that, we actually have two time slots available for all you early risers, 7.30 to 12.30, and then for you not morning people, we have from 12 to 4 p.m., and you can sign up on our events tab on our website. We would love to have you come and serve that day. That would be a blessing to us, and it would be a blessing to all of the other church leaders. We're going to be changing up our dismissal as we go forward, and it is this. Be wise, and I'll see you at the door. Have a great day.